You are listening to a message from City Church of Richmond, located in Richmond, Virginia. We are a broken people, loved by God, continually restored by Christ, and sent out to worship God, serve our city, and work for its renewal. To learn more about City Church and to find out how to get connected to our community, visit our website at citychurchrva.com. That's C-I-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H-R-V-A.com. And thanks for listening. So I introduced myself earlier. Again, my name is Eric Bonkowski. I'm one of the pastors here at City Church. And if you've been at City Church for any length of time, you know that it's just about every other sermon that I make some reference to the fact that I'm from New England. So you know that fact about me. But a, a lesser known fact about me is that I spent my middle school years in Atlanta, Georgia. I spent, uh, my family was there for five years, and I don't have a ton of memories uh, from that time in Atlanta, but I do have a distinct memory of the church that my family was a part of when we lived there. Um, every so often, I don't know if it was quarterly or a couple of times a year, we would take a trip downtown. We would leave kind of our suburban cul-de-sac enclave, and we would go downtown, and we would volunteer at a soup kitchen. And that experience of preparing a meal and serving a meal to some of the homeless or the housing insecure population of Atlanta uh, left a real indelible mark in my mind. I can still remember uh, seeing the, the faces and the clothes of these men who had come in for the simple meal that we prepared. And I also really remember distinctly the smell of these men who lived on the street and didn't have a whole lot. Uh, And I was thinking about that this week because in my five years at that church in Atlanta, I couldn't couldn't tell you a single word. I don't remember a single word from any of the sermons. But I remember that experience of that church going to serve the people in need. The ways that they embodied the gospel of Jesus for a population of people who couldn't give anything back to them. And I think that That's a powerful lesson for me. 35 years later that I still remember what it looked like when this church served those in need. I've been referring a lot to the uh, worship guide today. And on the the back of the very back of the worship guide, it has this who we are statement. And uh, this fall, we've been talking about a dimension of that who we are statement in our sermon series. We've been talking about how we're sent out And in that statement, it says that we're sent out to worship God and serve Richmond. And and that's the idea I want to talk about today. What does it mean that we are a people who are sent out to serve? Sent out to serve. We're actually, it's so important, we're going to talk about it this week and next week. We're sent out to serve Richmond. And, and that word Richmond there is uh, it, it's kind of a stand-in. It's, it's not meant to um, say that we only serve in Richmond, but our service starts in Richmond and it spirals out from there. It moves out beyond there. It gives a focus, a local focus to our service. But it's meant uh, for us to read it as we are sent out to serve the whole world. And that's the idea I want to talk about this afternoon. What does it look like for us as a church to be sent out to serve the world? Here's a diagnostic question that I heard many years ago when we were first starting this church. If, uh, if City Church went away, if it closed its doors tomorrow, would anyone even notice? Would anyone mourn? Maybe outside of the people in this room. 
See, that question is getting at whether City Church is making a welcomed difference through the ways that we serve Richmond in the world. I want you to think about that question as we read God's Word and progress through this message this afternoon. So to get at this idea of service, we're going to look at a few verses from Isaiah chapter 42. And one of the things that we've been trying to do throughout this sermon series is use both the New Testament and the Old Testament so that we understand that God's message throughout his word is that we're sent out. It's not just a New Testament thing. It's, it's rooted in the character of God. God is a, a God who sends us out. And one of the things he sends us out to do is to serve. So read with me now Isaiah 42 verses 1 through 9. This is God's word for us that he's given to us because he loves us so much. Here's what it says. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I've put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare, before they spring forth, I tell you of them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Gracious Father, in these moments of quiet, we ask that you would send your spirit to give us insight into these words that were written so long ago through your prophet Isaiah. Words that can be hard to understand can seem to have little relevance to our lives. But by your spirit, you place them in our hearts, and you stir our minds, and you activate our lives so that these words matter. We pray that you would do that, and that in so doing today, we would see Jesus Christ as a savior and a friend. And we pray this all through his name. Amen. So this afternoon, I want to talk about how we're sent to serve in three headings. The first, I want to talk about the source of our serving. I want to talk about the shape of our serving. And then I want to talk about the shock of our serving. So first, the source of our serving. We see the source of our serving right there in verse 1. It says, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. This is an essential point for you to grasp, that before the servant ever serves, 
He is loved. She is loved. The source of all true serving is God himself. This is God speaking to his people Israel in Isaiah 42. He's introducing his servant, and he says, it's my servant. It's the one I love. It's the one I uphold. And that word for uphold, is, uh, it means firmly grasped. I grasp onto him tightly. It's, it's like the, the song, uh, God's Highway, that we sing that says, I'm holding on to you, you're holding on to me. The servant of God is held onto by God. The source of our serving is God. That's where it starts. You, you may uh, know enough about the Bible and enough about Isaiah to recognize pretty much immediately that this is what's called a messianic uh, passage. This whole section of Isaiah is messianic. What that means is it's looking forward to Jesus Christ. It's looking for the Messiah. It's looking for the Savior of the world. You see, Isaiah was given this message, and he was introducing the, the Messiah that Israel longed for, that they hoped for, that they wondered, will this one come? And then, few hundred years later, a carpenter's son from Nazareth strides into history. And he walks into the temple one day and he grabs the scroll of Isaiah, these very words. He, he opens that scroll. He begins to read passages like this. And then he announces to everyone who's gathered there and he says, behold, it's me. All this uh, hope that you had for a Messiah all this longing that you had for a servant. I'm the one. Jesus fulfills Isaiah 42. And so reread verse 1 now. As though Jesus is that servant. Behold my servant Jesus whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring justice to the nations. You see, even for Jesus, as he was sent out to serve, the source was God. The source was the Father's love, the sustaining love, the commissioning love of God to Jesus. In this language in Isaiah 42, chapter 1, Verse 1, it may sound very familiar to you because it's almost word for word the language that we hear at Jesus' baptism. As he begins his ministry, as he is sent out to serve, God says, announces from heaven, Behold, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased, the one that I am delighted in him, and my spirit rests on him. The source of Jesus' serving, and the source of our serving is God. And it all connects. Why I wanted us to read here in Isaiah 42 is to see that this long thread throughout the Bible of the way that God works, the way that God sends. He sends His own Son to earth. He is the source of Jesus' coming. And now through faith, we are united to Christ and likewise sent out to serve. But the source of that sending is God himself. So it is 
with us. The source of our being sent to serve is the fact that God sent Jesus to serve us. When I was a teenager, one of the very first verses of the Bible that I ever memorized was Mark 10, 45. It's part of the passage that Chapin read for us this afternoon. And it says there that even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And if you've never memorized a verse in the Bible, that would be a great place to start. I believe that if, you, if, that were, if that verse gets inside your mind, gets inside your heart, you will be a changed person. That even the Son of Man, even Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If we want to be sent out to serve, that has got to be the source. Not just once, but continually. For that source to breathe, that verse to breathe life inside of us. And friends, if you don't know that God has sent Jesus to serve you, then any call for you to serve is dangerous. In fact, if you don't know that to be the case today, I almost would tell you to stop listening to the rest of what I have to say and just think about Mark 10:45. That the Son of Man came to ransom you for your sins. Because if you don't understand God as the source of your serving, you'll get all twisted up and you'll think that it's your serving that earns God's love. It doesn't. Your serving is a response to what He has already done for you through Jesus Christ. I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus has come to serve you. And He's done that climactically and fully by dying on the cross for your sin. And only after you understand that source can you be sent out to serve in the world. But if you do understand that, friends, if Mark 10, 45 does make sense to you, oh, what joy you will find in following the pattern and the path of your Savior, Jesus Christ. If it was good enough for him, it's good enough for you. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. What joy and celebration and rejoicing you will find as you walk in his footsteps. The source of our serving is God. Well, what is the shape of our serving? First, I want you to think for a minute about what the shape of a normal human life is. As we get older, as we grow in our maturity, what does the path of that life look like? I think that the typical conventional path of the human life is that we serve less and less. We uh, make choices about when and who and how we will serve. That's what's held out before us. That's the career path that we want to have. For me, it's encapsulated by a phrase that I heard from a mentor of mine say one time at a Young Life camp when there was some menial work that had to be done, and he said, I'm in management, not labor. And he was joking. But it stuck with me because that's the cry of my heart. I'm in management, not labor. That task is below me. I'm above doing that. No, the shape 
of the human life that has been won, bought back by Jesus Christ is a path of going low. It is the path of downward mobility, not resting on position and power. There's a quote at the top of the worship guide today from a man named Bob Lupton. He was a successful businessman, also from Atlanta. And what he did in the second half of his life is that he founded an organization that went into the, the, um, the most destitute neighborhoods in Atlanta and it provided care, provided job training, provided education. And did this all because of Jesus Christ. He says this, Enter Jesus, the Christ, mighty God, the everlasting Father. Emptied. Weak. Dependent. Here to show us the way to greatness. Heavenly greatness. By becoming least, king turned servant. Downwardly mobile. What sort of ethic is this? It's the ethic of the gospel. It's the ethic of the kingdom. It's the shape that our service ought to take. In the kingdom of God, even at our best, we are servants. Even at our most mature, we are errand boys for Jesus. Let me outline the shape of our service a little bit more based on this passage. Three things. The first is that it's in the shape of revealing. What do I mean by that? Well, it comes uh, from verse 1. It says uh, in verse 1, behold my servant, right? Look at him. I'm revealing my servant to you. And then at the end of that verse, it says he will bring forth justice to the nations. That bringing forth is a great revealing. That is the work of the servant of God. It is showing God's justice, God's mercy. mercy. It is showing what the kingdom of God looks like. Our service reveals the very heart of God. That's why we do it. And justice here is, is a big word. I talked about justice a few weeks ago. It's a big word. It means all that is right and true. It means everywhere that there is sin and brokenness and things that are bent away from God, suddenly it's being set right. It is God setting right all things. And we are servants meant to bring that forth. So it's wide. It's varied. It does include speaking God's truth, but it also includes enacting or embodying that truth as we care for those in need. That is the shape of our serving. But notice that it's not preachy, right? It says in verse 2, he will not cry aloud in, or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. The shape of our service is revealing, but it does it in a way that doesn't draw attention to ourselves. It's not self-promoting. It's not boastful or proud. It shows forth God, not us. That is the shape of true serving. And so this serving, this type of serving that Isaiah is talking about, is so different from the serving that we announce on our social media posts. The, the serving that we uh, 
so subtly redirect conversation so that we can bring it up so that others will know the things that we have done. No, the shape of true revealing service doesn't draw attention to itself. Here's the other, uh, here's the second dimension of the shape of our service. It's gentle. It's gentle. Look at verse three. It says, a bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. You know, in the ancient Near East, what a bruised reed was good for? Nothing. It was useless. It was crushed. Its whole purpose was gone. But the servant is gentle, even with the bruised reed. The smoldering wick, a candle that's not giving any light, that's on its last legs and about to burn out. The true servant doesn't snuff it out. He's gentle. You see the bruised reed, the smoldering wick, they're useless to the world, but not to the servant. One thing I've realized about myself is that I tend to serve harshly. Any of you do this as well? You serve, it's all well and good, but the vibe that you give off to the other person is not good. It's harsh. You, you step in and you say, move, get out of my way, let me show you how to do it. I do this with the dishwasher. I do this with cooking. I do this with anything. There's a right way to do it. And I'll serve you, but I'll make you feel bad about it as I do it. I'll exploit you. I'll, ab- I'll abuse you even while I'm serving you. True service, friends, the shape of true service is gentle. The great example of this, of course, is Jesus himself. You know that story of the woman who's caught in adultery? She's done something wrong and she knows it and the crowd has gathered around her and they have stones in their hands and they're ready to throw them at her. Jesus is so gentle. He bends down and begins drawing in the sand so that all the eyes will leave this woman to see what he might be writing in the sand. He's bringing forth justice. He's serving this woman, and he's doing it in a way that protects her honor and her dignity. He's gentle. The shape of our service is revealing, it's gentle, and finally, it's suffering. There's no getting around this. There's no escaping it when we think about the the shape of Christian service. It's a path of suffering. It's, this is hinted at here in verse 4. It says that he, the servant, will not grow faint or be discouraged. And those two words, faint and be discouraged, are echoes of what we've seen in the previous verse. It echoes bruised and it echoes smoldering. And it's saying that in the process of serving, uh, suffering is going to come to the servant. And he's going to feel faint. And he's going to grow discouraged, but he will be resilient because he's prepared for that suffering. The shape of our serving must be willing to bear suffering that will come our way. And sometimes this is small and relatively insignificant suffering, and sometimes it's big and hard and costly. And we see that a few pages ahead in Isaiah. 
we flip over to chapter 53, and this was the assurance of pardon that Meg read for us this afternoon. And there we see uh, this full picture of who the servant will be. Flip there if you can and read again that assurance of pardon because it starts this way in Isaiah 52. It says, behold my servant. Does that sound familiar? It's an echo of the beginning of Isaiah 42. Isaiah wants us to draw that connection. I'm talking about the same guy here. And what will the shape of his serving be? Well, in verse 53, we see the, or chapter 53, we see the climax. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Jesus, the true servant, the suffering servant, went to the cross. That was the shape of his serving. Suffering for us. And here's how this works. It begins with a small inconvenience in your life. That's the serving But what we need to do is we need to build up the muscle memory of those small things, of washing the dishes, of emptying the trash, of walking with another person through their sorrow and grief, of uh, moving to the back of the line, of sitting in the back seat, these small inconveniences that we might not even name suffering. What those do in us as we're faithful to them is they build muscle memory so that when the opportunity for big serving and big suffering comes, we're ready. We've developed the posture. Our lives have taken the shape of serving through suffering. The source of our serving is God. The shape of our suffering is this downward mobility. And finally, the shock of our serving. This comes in many ways. First, it's a shock that we serve. That we serve at all is a shock. It cuts against the grain of the world. Uh, One of the the simple examples of this that always sticks out to me, again, it's a Young Life example. And um, at Young Life camp, folks go there, for kids go there for the week, and uh, uh, a speaker will share the gospel with them. And these buses full of kids are rolling up to the camp. Before they get there, they stop at McDonald's. And, And sometimes the speaker would be behind the counter at McDonald's, serving the kids, filling their orders, And they don't know it at the time, but then the first night of camp, uh, she stands up front and they recognize her and they say, oh, you served me. It's not expected. And it's a powerful witness to the shape of the gospel. So that we serve is a shock. Who we serve is also a shock. I've talked some already about how we serve beyond the walls of this church. We serve Richmond. We serve the world. We see that in Isaiah 42. It says in verse 6, I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. And these are important words. Nation and people, those are like alarm bells going off for the people of Israel because they are serving outsiders to the covenant. God is saying, I want you to go serve outsiders and even enemies. And that's the path of Christian service. It's not just for your family. It's not just for the people you like. It's for the people that have harmed you. It's for the people who are different than you. And that is shocking. That we would serve others. 
And then finally, how we serve is a shock. And this is all that I've just been talking about. The shape of our service is a shock, right? It's, it's shocking that we would serve through suffering. And I think it's often equally shocking that we would serve in material, tangible ways, right? What we like to say is just preach the gospel. Friends, you accuse the church of that. You accuse uh, ministries of that. Do you accuse Jesus of that? Jesus, just preach the gospel. Enough of this healing the blind. Enough of this tender, gentle care for a woman caught in adultery. Enough for binding up the brokenhearted. Friends, the gospel is a word preached and it's a word enacted. It's a word embodied by the people of God that bears testimony to Jesus. And just as Jesus came and offered meaningful, material uplift to the outsiders and broken down and marginalized in his society, so we, the church, are called to do the same today. There's no getting around it. And that how of how we're called to serve is shocking. We have some great examples of it even in our ministry partners. We support missionaries who work with Surge in Uganda and they run a little industry, women making crafts that they sell, preaching the gospel and lifting them up economically. We support another missionary through Surge in Prague and they preached the gospel and they planted a church and as refugees from Ukraine have been flooding into Eastern Europe, they feed them and they provide them housing and they care for them as they've walked through trauma. That is the gospel. Word and deed together. So what does it look like for us in Richmond? Back to that question I asked at the start of the message, right? If City Church closed tomorrow, would anyone mourn? Would they even know? Have we been serving others? Bringing forth God's justice, setting all things right, helping the homeless, addressing educational inequities, providing food for the hungry, providing job training through STEP. Have we been serving? Let me end with this. Maybe you're familiar with uh, love languages. In my marriage, there's kind of a joke that um, my love language is acts of service. It's true. And, you know, it's really easy to say that that's just my personality, right? That's my DNA. I was thinking about it, though, and I think that a lot of it I learned from my dad. From stuff like taking me to a soup kitchen in Atlanta when I was in middle school. But then I thought about it a little bit more and I realized, you know what? Yeah, I learned it some from my dad, but I really learned it somewhere else. I learned it from Jesus. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many.
It's that truth that I believe with all of my heart that motivates me to serve. I don't do it perfectly. None of us could. But I try to do it faithfully because Christ has been so faithful to me. Let's pray. Gracious God in heaven, would you please press this truth deep into our hearts and into our lives. Press it past all of our defenses and excuses and rationales of how uh, we're doing enough or that there's got to be a different way. Draw us close to your heart and to the heart of Jesus, our Savior, so that we would be sent out to serve not just people who look like us, not just our friends, not just people who are going to serve us back, but even our enemies, so that we can bear justice, your justice, so we can be part of setting all things right. Not that we would get fame or adulation, but so that your name would receive all the glory. We serve because you have served us even to the point of death. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.